Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Clementi. We missed last week. We've been a little scattershot here over the summer. Summer's tough. We all have things going on. We have businesses to run. We're taking little vacations. Uh, we're getting ready for football season. Last week, I completely owned that. That was my fault. I tried to, to plan for the uh, Brackier Brawl. And our plans were derailed at the last minute by the 412 Alliance, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but anyway, uh, lots to talk about. Obviously, it's been a couple weeks. So we're going to start with where we should start this time of year is with the Steelers. Played their first preseason game last Saturday against what's going to be a very bad Seattle Seahawks team. And But a lot of – I mean, I, I think there was a lot of good to take out of that game. Um, I think it – it added some concern in certain areas because we're still seeing certain things uh, that you know were a big issue last year and continue that looks to be anyway look that continues to be an issue um, going into this season. So, what do you guys think? Well, I actually went to the game, and uh, you, you obviously I, do get a different perspective yes. when you're at the game. I, I try to avoid Steeler fans at all costs. Um, you know, and the fans get all riled up. I mean, you know, Trubisky did what he was supposed to in the mm-hmm. first half. You know, he threw a touchdown mm-hmm. pass to Gunnar uh, Olszewski. Olszewski. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on a broken coverage. Uh, you know, it was a 10-yard touchdown pass. Um, he, he moves well. He, he, he does he, move he, well he in the pocket. He does move well yep. in the pocket, and he's going to need to because I don't think that offensive line right. is going to be very good. Pass protection is a major issue. That's uh, one of the things I alluded to. You know, and then obviously Mason Rudolph comes in after Trubisky. Um, if you look at his stats, if you didn't watch the game, they looked okay. Um, he threw two interceptions that were both dropped. Uh, one in the end of the first half when they were driving, hit a safety right, right, right in his the chest, chest yep. and he dropped it. And then one when they were backed up on the goal line, uh, he threw a pass off a defensive lineman's helmet. They called it fumble, but they, right. they called it back. But he still makes the typical Mason Rudolph mistakes. And then, you know, the crowd all was there really right. to see Kenny. And Kenny come in and he was playing against UPS guys that are going to be working right. at UPS in about a couple of weeks. And what, but to Kenny's credit, he mm-hmm. was playing with some guys that are probably going to right. be working for FedEx next week. Right. So, you know, you, 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 he had a bunch of jabrones playing against a bunch of jabrones. What I noticed about Kenny, everything was simple, first read. Mm-hmm. Everything was thrown short. Now, you know, him getting out of the pocket when he was in college, mm-hmm. a little bit easier than it is right. in the NFL. I mean, he's got college speed. He doesn't have Lamar Jackson speed. Uh, so there's a difference mm-hmm. there. And then, But the one thing that I took from the game with Kenny playing is when he throws a ball, he puts the ball in a position where the receiver can do something after he catches it. You see a lot of quarterbacks, yeah, they complete the pass, but the guy's stopped where he catches it mm-hmm. because he got to reach behind him. He's got to reach high. Kenny puts the ball in spots where the guy can actually make a football move and get yak yards. Um, so Kenny did what he was supposed to do. I mean, you know, they they beat in a team that they're better than. You know, and, and nobody dressed for Seattle. Nobody dressed for the Steelers. You can't really gauge right. a ton on it. But Kenny did what he was supposed to do. Now, you would have been alarmed if Kenny came out and went five for 19 for 40 yards and two interceptions against, you know, a third-string right. defense. you got you got a, a reason to be concerned. Everybody on the offense, for the most part, except for the offensive line, mm-hmm. did what they were supposed to. The three quarterbacks all played pretty well. Obviously, Mason, the stats are a little bit better than he actually played. But, you know, that's what I took from the first game. You can't get too up about it. You can't get too down about it. It's the first preseason. Right. It, what a preseason game is is a controlled scrimmage that you have to pay to go see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way that I look at it is um, 
you have to look at who's playing. And 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 uh, in this particular game, the only people that really played and could control what was going on around them was the quarterbacks and the offensive line. Quarterbacks did exactly what mm-hmm. I thought they would. Trubisky was effective, mm-hmm. um, efficient would be another way of saying it. Um, you know, he got did you know. The, it was obviously not a game plan. It was, you know, we're going to call 15 plays mm-hmm. and get out of there. But no. Yeah. So Trubisky did what he did. Um, you know, the other two, Rudolph came in and was Rudolph. Again, I don't know why. It's been fear five. I, mean, I don't yeah. know why there's anything surprising. He can look all what he wants in practice. He knows the playbook better than everybody else. He's been there the longest. He should look the best in training camp. In a game, he's a deer in the headlights. Always has been. Always mm-hmm. will be. Nothing changes. And Kenny did what he, you know, what he did. You know, when he came in and the score was tied, I knew for a fact he was going to lead him down and score a mm-hmm. touchdown. Kenny, when you watch Kenny play, he has that it. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. def- it's not, and it's not something that's going to show up in a chart. It's not going to be in a on a draft sheet or whatever. You just watch him play, and he gets it. He knows what it takes to be a quarterback, and the players around him, more importantly, know that hey. This guy's gonna. Mm-hmm. This guy's gonna do what we need to do, and you could see that with the guys, even guys that again are gonna be FedEx guys. <laughs> um, you could see that Kenny could lead those FedEx guys mm-hmm. to do something, and that's a big intangible for quarterbacks. It really is. And then as far as the offensive line goes, I thought that it was great to see. I thought run block. Um, they got mm-hmm. off the ball. They pushed guys down the field and did what they needed to do. Pass block was not great. Um, but pass blocking, a lot of that goes to um, cohesion of the offensive line. When you drop back, guys have to block and pick up the right guys, and they just didn't look like a cohesive unit again yet. It's early. So pass blocking was a little disappointing. But I, I thought getting off the ball, they looked a lot better than they did last year as a group. Um, defensive side of the ball, I mean, Christ, even the kicker and punter didn't play. Right. I mean, Boswell and, and Harvin didn't even play, for God's sake. So um, defensively, yeah, there were some guys in there. And Bush, you've seen the clips of stuff for Bush and, and that, that obviously don't look good. But the problem with reading too much into the inside linebacker is the same problem as last year. You had jabronis on the defensive line. And in this defense, those defensive linemen have to do something to help the linebacker. So I don't get too wrapped up in that. It sounds like a lot more players are going to play this week. So... Um, there should be some more information and Garner coming out of this week's game. Yeah, I think on a positive note, McFarland, uh, I, we have never seen that Anthony McFarland. He was running north-south. He was running with the mission. Uh, and, yeah, the offensive line was, was creating some holes for him, so that that's great to see. Uh, and Jalen Warren, we had heard about him as one of the, the training camp darlings, and he certainly proved that in the game. He looked really good. Of course, he fumbled. And Tomlin let everybody know about it after the game. And he's been carrying a football around St. Vincent all week. So I think he got the point. But otherwise, he looked great. I mean, he's got some moves to him. Same thing. He's a little bowling ball. He was knocking guys over. Um, So if I'm Benny Snell, I'm making sure that I'm getting healthy and I'm getting on the field ASAP because that kid's coming for his job. Yeah. Without a doubt. And the biggest story of the game for me, hands down, without a doubt, was George Pickens. He's another one that we had heard about. He was making great plays in training camp, um, and he he just abused Seattle. I mean, this guy, he looks to be the real deal. He's legit. Uh, he's got great hands. He high points the ball. You saw the touchdown catch that he made from Rudolph. Great pass uh, from Rudolph, but an even better catch by Pickens. But for me, the, the best play that I saw from him 
is when he knocked Seattle's quarterback right on his ass. That was one of the best clips when he was coming out in the draft. Everybody saw it when he put Dax Hill on his ass for Michigan. He did the same thing to this cornerback from Seattle. This kid is tough. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He's got great hands. Um, Chase Claypool, I, I think it, it, the writing's on the wall for him. If this continues, no, Tommy, I agree. I mean, it's early. I get it. Um, but certainly Pickens flashed. And if he continues to do so, Claypool's going to be the odd guy out. you got to remember, you know, Pickens, if he played last year, he wouldn't even have been around for the Steelers to draft. Right. Uh, yeah. We're still a little leery of the, uh, the knee. And in the second round, you can take that gamble. The money isn't quite as big. Um, the contract isn't as long. It's not that fifth year on mm -hmm. top of it. So, you know, you've got a first-round talent, really. Mm -hmm. and, and if he would have played, I believe he might have been the first wide receiver mm -hmm. off the board. It wouldn't have been Drake London. It mm -hmm. would have probably been Pickens. So it's not like he came from nowhere. He's not just like an average second or third-round pick. This guy was – he's a legitimate talent first-round guy that wound up falling to the second round just due to injury. Yeah, and to the to the Claypool point, when Claypool was picked at the second round, I didn't really know who he was, and you heard mm -hmm. about him, and when you saw the physical of him, the stuff that has become what he is as a pro, not consistent, mm -hmm. dropping balls, not you know battle ready, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that why Claypool fell to his point or to the second round, almost to the same mm -hmm. point that Pickens was drafted. And to your point, I, I think that if I'm Claypool, this is not going to be. Uh, the run and gun, you know, mm -hmm. K offense that uh, or what was, what was that was called the Bills offense? Is that what it's called? K gun, yeah. K gun. K -gun. Mm -hmm. This is not going to be yeah. that mm -hmm. offense. No, God no. This that is, is going to be this no. is going to be twenty twenty five passes a game if they're if they're getting it like they want. And you know, Deontay Johnson is going to get his, and I think mm -hmm. I think the Pickens is going to get his. And yep. if I'm Claypool, I got to look around and go, you know, I I better. When I get an opportunity, the limited chances. When I get an opportunity, I better do something. So maybe, maybe uh, Pickens will light a fire under Claypool. I've liked a little bit more of what I've heard Claypool talk about so far mm -hmm. this in camp. He's matured a little bit. He for sure. sounds like he's grown up a little bit. And uh, you know, the best thing that could happen for the Steelers' offense is that Claypool grows in to be mm -hmm. an adult NFL wide receiver. You have those three and Fryermuth with Najee in the backfield. Now you're talking about. The potential and let's some, not forget about some, Calvin Austin, who some weapons, yeah. we thought we were going to see, but he, I guess he got injured in, in uh, practice yeah. last Friday. Friday's walkthrough was right. a hell of a practice. Yeah, Anthony right. Miller's out for the year, and <laughs> Austin's in a walking group. I don't yeah. know what their walkthroughs look like. But it's crazy. Holy hell. Um, and then the other one, you know, listen, you can say what you want about Michael. You mentioned him already, but um, Belichick has – he's got the innate ability to find these guys and make them successful. And I think Gunnar Olszewski, I mean – He's another one. He finds the seam in the defense. He bailed out Trubisky a couple times um, in the middle of the field. I mean, we didn't see that throw at all last year. There was nothing to the middle of the field. Gunner's not afraid to go to the middle, and he get yard. You're speaking of yak. I mean, well, how we many saw it with him? How many pain in the ass, five foot nothing wide receivers have New England right. had over the yep. years? That well, have look, just tortured us. They yep. had a rugby player, <laughs> right. or, so or a yeah, player right. that yeah. was torturing us for years. So, I mean, uh, Hunter Renfro was yeah. a seventh round pick yeah. by Clemson mm -hmm. by the Raiders, and he Great just pick. got a big contract. He had 100 catches last year. <laughs> I don't know if Gunner is that guy. And the, the reason I say that is because he played in New England mm -hmm. where they didn't really have any wide receivers, and he still couldn't really right. get on the field. Uh, he made a Pro Bowl, I believe, as a punter. As a returner, yeah. As a returner. Um, but 
as a fifth wide receiver, if somebody goes down, if that's a guy, mm-hmm. you know, if Deontay Johnson goes down, if this is a guy you want to put right. in a slot, uh, you know, he could develop into something. But he hasn't shown it on the NFL right. level yet. Now, he did show it, like I said, last Saturday. But, again, take it with a great you right. you you assault. Yeah, right. The defense is playing vanilla. You're not seeing blitzes. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of things that you, you, you cannot – Get overly excited about when you're watching the first preseason game of the year. Yeah. No, but that they have he has been. You know they've talked about in camp watching yeah. him practice every day because wide receivers. Mm-hmm. You know De- Deontay was having a hold in and then he got hurt. Claypool's been hurt, so Gunner has been getting a lot of work and he seems to have a nice yeah. rapport with uh, Pickett so far. Yeah, all three quarterbacks um, love him. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to have one of those guys around. And he played behind Julian Edelman. I mean, right. you know, he, he you know he was an understudy of Edelman while Edelman was in New England. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to learn from a slot guy, that's that's one hell of a guy to learn from. Right. Now, on, on the other side of the coin, what we didn't like, we've talked about some of it already, but let's delve into it a little bit. Offensive line, the tackles. I hear your point about cohesion, but when you're watching and they get beat one-on-one, it's mano y mano. And it's the same thing with Dan Moore and Chooks. Chooks is who he is, just like you were saying with Mason. Chooks is who he is. He's a very average. I think I'm being nice. He's a very average tackle. Dan Moore, there's still some room for growth, but these guys were both getting beat one-on-one because, as we said, Seattle's not doing anything. They're, they're, they're sending four guys, and the edge rushers were beating our tackles consistently, play after play after play. That is what's concerning to me. It doesn't look like Dan Moore has improved at all and Chooks is Chooks. So that that's a huge area of concern for me. Well, I don't I, I don't didn't have much I didn't have a major problem with Dan Moore last year like some people did. I thought for a fourth round pick as a rookie playing left tackle on a bad offensive line, I mean I thought, you know, I, I thought he did fairly well. Um, they've identified from everything I've read that, you know, it's his kick step when he gets off the ball that he's mm-hmm. got to improve at that. So again, We've identified a problem. I mean, there are other players on this team who I think we're going to talk about. Yeah. We just look at it and shake our head uh, as to what they're doing out there. But, I mean, they've identified a problem. If it's something he can continue to work at and continue to grow at, I still have hope for for Dan Moore being a serviceable to above-average tackle. Chooks, I don't know. There are people who are smarter than me that say that he's a solid, above-average offensive lineman. I don't know. I just don't ever see him – I don't ever see him do much. Um but the, the, the big part about this is that the, the three guys in the middle have got to be better. Yeah. Um, I didn't even talk about Kendrick Green yet. Yeah, and, you know, Kendrick Green got bent back again yeah. a couple times, and Dotson's hurt again, and, you know, I, that's the part that's got me more concerned than the tackles. Yeah, so Trubisky and Pickett better be able to run. Well, I mean, you know, uh, who was the offensive lineman they signed late last year? Trey Turner? No. Yeah, Trey Turner. Trey yeah. Turner, mm-hmm. who's an ex-pro bowler. Yeah. Uh, after the season, he was our highest-graded offensive lineman. Well, he's no mm-hmm. longer in the NFL. That's concerning. Yeah. Um, it, it's like Tom said. I, you, you just got to give – like, if you're talking about technical things with mm-hmm. a kick on, on mm-hmm. the pass uh, protection, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Physical ability is completely different. Chooks, to me, I've watched – and I don't watch the Steelers like you guys watch them, but when I've watched them, he hasn't been very good. Um, the offense, to me, the offensive line was a little concerned. To me, watching the defense, and I know all the starters weren't there, but that's where I worry about with depth mm-hmm. because in this league, 17 games right. now, you're going to have injuries. Now, who's stepping into those spots and filling those spots? I mean, there, it seems like there's, it's like you know stepping off the Grand mm-hmm. Canyon with the next guy up. 
you know, I've watched Geno Smith and Drew Locker probably combine <laughs> two of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And they were able to move the ball at relative ease. Well, what really concerned me, we talked, we talked is the way they were able to run the ball. And I get – but see, that can – because you, you had the second string in. You had the Mondos and the Louder Milks and, and well, those so guys were Seattle, supposed to – yeah. That's my point. There right. was no Noah Fant. There was no uh, DK Noah Metcalf. Noah Fant played. Noah Fant played. Oh, he played the first series. First series, did, yeah. But there was no DK Metcalf. Metcalf, no. It's just that that's what's concerned. But like I said, it was the first game. Let's right. let's see where they're at after the, because you're going to see the starters probably play most of the first half in this next game. Yep. If not, maybe into the third quarter because now we only have three preseason games, right? So remember the fourth right. game was the guys that was the throw, yeah, yeah, right. and they didn't want anybody to get hurt. I think now that's now the third game. So mm-hmm. you're going to the second game. This is the one. The yeah. Third. Well, this I actually one. think the way that the Steelers are going to do it this year. Maybe I'll be wrong, but. I think they're going to treat the third preseason game like the main one because it's at home. Mm. I think they're going to – And you have some time. You have a couple yeah. weeks and after you, that yeah, game. Yeah, and they've built in that window now that right. if somebody gets a ding in that, that yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I doesn't – you know, the quote today from Tomlin was, all healthy players will play on Saturday. Well, what do you mean <laughs> What's that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> so – I don't think Najee is going to play this week. I don't think TJ or Cam is going to play this week. Cam got a little dinged up in practice today. Um, so, again, you know, are you really going to see anything, you know, this weekend? Right. So, I, I think the third game might actually be the one worth watching. But, you know, who knows? And before we leave the Steelers, I, we need to touch on uh, we, middle linebacking play. And Miles Jack is fine. He is who he is at this point in his career. He's a good linebacker. He's a good linebacker, Absolutely. It's the other. It's the other inside position. Um, more of the same from Devin Bush. Robert Spillane, God bless him. He maxes out his ability, but he's very limited in pass coverage. We saw it again uh, last Saturday, uh, and we know Roquan Smith's available. He's been rumored. That a lot of national guys, Mike Florio being one, have, have talked about him coming to the Steelers uh, in exchange for Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson uh, in a draft pick. I, for one, would love to see it. I think it instantly upgrades that defense. And as we've talked about, they're they're going to have to ride the defense this year. This is not an offense that's going to be explosive. That defense is going to have to limit other teams. And when you have that huge gap in the middle of your defense, that's that's a major issue. Um, so you, you talk about Roquan Smith, it's probably a pipe dream. But listen, they went out and got Minka. This is not the old Steelers anymore. They will address knees as they see fit. And I think – if we see more of the same from Devin Bush this weekend and then in the third preseason game, I would it would not shock me, let's put it that way, anymore with the Steelers if they did what they had to do to get Roquan Smith. Well, it's funny you, you bring up the Roquan Smith thing because Tommy called me right before he left for Boston and mm-hmm. asked me if that was a possibility. Now, if you're saying that the Steelers would trade – if they trade Deontay Johnson mm-hmm. and, uh, a, and sec- a draft pick, and yeah. a draft pick second yeah. rounder or whatever yep. – then the money offsets. Mm-hmm. Then you have money to sign. Right, Roquan and that's what they'd have to do. Yeah, that's, right. that's obviously – so that makes sense to me. If the, if the Bears were willing to do that, if I was the Steelers, I would do that in a heartbeat because you know what I how I feel about yeah. wide receivers, the yeah. same way I feel about safeties. Yeah. They're, they're irrelevant. I mean, wide receivers are like Skittles. You just – you open up a bag, you don't right. like that one, you get the next one. That's how I feel about wide receivers. If the Bears were willing to do that, if I was the Steelers, I'd jump all over that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of go back and forth on this. I called you because, you know, in this town, everybody who's available, we're going to get no matter what, whether it whether he fits, whether it makes sense, all that kind of stuff, you know. 
So my first question is, does Rokon Smith fit in our what the Steelers do? Because mm-hmm. the Steelers aren't going to change. And according to that Michael, is why you called. Yeah. And, and the answer to, to that is yes, according mm-hmm. to Michael. So I, I take him at his word because he knows about Rokon Smith, for mm-hmm. God's sakes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know who, where he's from. Well, he's one of the three best middle linebackers in the game. Uh, you know, I mean, that's – But to Michael's point, is that – what's that? I mean, I, I didn't know that there was a list for inside linebacker. I didn't mm-hmm. even know there was any – you know, I know Lendell White from Tampa only because that's the what's their that's the the uh, not Lendell White, Devin Devin, Devin yeah. White Lendell they White. got the good de- running back just remember it this way yeah. yeah they they got the good Devin in the they got the good Devin right yeah. um, so what is he a fit yes it sounds like he's a fit here's my problem is that you already have the highest paid safety the second high, well now the second mm-hmm. highest paid safety the second highest paid outside linebacker mm-hmm. and the fifth highest paid defensive lineman. I mean, how much you're talking? If you signed, if you traded for Rokon Smith and added him to the defense, you're talking about four players on defense making ninety million dollars next year. That's a big nut. On the flip side of that, though, after I thought about that, if Devin Bush had turned out to be what the Steelers yeah. thought they were getting, they would have to pay him that. They would have to be paying him right. that money yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. So you know. You kind of yep. go back and forth. The one thing, the reason why I think that the Steelers could do it is that they are so in such a unique position where they're money heavy on defense. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of teams that are money honey, money heavy on defense like they are, but they're so young on the offensive side of the ball. But the only person making any real money is Deontay Johnson. And if you trade him for right. Juan Smith, then that offsets yeah. the money. I don't think the Steelers would trade him because that's not what the Steelers right. do. The Steelers just sign him to a deal. I don't think he'd be the wide receiver going. I think that they, if they were going to trade somebody, Claypool, Claypool might be somebody that interests them. Maybe it interests the Bears because he's a Notre Dame guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, maybe yeah. that would, would help them PR-wise because they're a bad football team. Mm-hmm. You know, really I mean, bad. There's not a lot. You yeah. know, so maybe – Getting Claypool for Justin Fields would maybe help them, but um, you're right. The Steelers are a different franchise than what they've done. This is mm-hmm. something that wouldn't shock me if they did it. I'm not a big fan of giving up multiple high first and second round picks because they still need a lot of things. Right. You know, they're going to have to draft offensive linemen. They're going to have to draft corners in the near future, and they need those high picks for those guys. So you know, we'll see. All right. Well, obviously, much more to come on the Steelers as the preseason progresses. For now, let's touch on just NFL news. And the biggest news of, of today, we're recording on Thursday, uh, Deshaun Watson came to an agreement with the NFL, 11-game suspension. And what I love, and the NFL is the best at this. We talk about how the NFL is the gold standard. Here's another example. His first game back, who are they playing? Yeah. The Texans, right? I mean, they're great at creating and, a story. And that's where the NFL, this whole thing, you just you lost me. <laughs> I, I mean – you know, all I've heard about was that, you know, it was going to be a year of suspension and all this stuff. Then you compromise. $5 million is 13 cents to you and me. Mm-hmm. He's guaranteed $230 million. I hate the fact that they didn't tax him for more money. Mm-hmm. You know, he sat out last year, got every cent. Mm-hmm. The Browns did this jag-off schedule or contract, contract yeah. they did this year. So his base salary is nothing this year. So he's not going to lose any real money in this. And then you do shit with this 11 games. I mean, yeah. we all know. Five games, 10 games, 12 games, season-long 11 not even. 11, 11 is literally <laughs> might be the first time anybody in the history of professional yep. sports has been suspended for 11 yeah. games. And we know why they did it. And you know why you did it. Yep. And, you, you know, they, that, that kind of stuff. They're it, masters. It just really. Storyline. You know, it just, I think 11 games is a joke. 
Josh uh, Josh Gordon, who by no means do I want to stand up for him. The smoked some pot. Right. That he was dude, suspended like nine times. <laughs> the guy's been suspended seventy four games mm-hmm. for smoking weed, and this one, this guy has sexually assaulted allegedly twenty five different women, at least twenty five, and, and and he got one seventh of the suspension. Yep. It's a joke. The NFL. Well, who's the cat that got suspended for betting fifty dollars on a game on? Facebook? Oh yeah, for the year, Calvin Ridley, Calvin yeah. Falcons, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. He got suspended for a year. Yeah, it just this whole thing stinks, and I don't care that he plays for Cleveland. Because the fact that he's put on a Browns uniform almost guarantees he's going to suck. <laughs> so I don't really care about that part of it. I just think it's an embarrassment. It's a sad day for the NFL, as far as I'm concerned. No, I, I totally agree. I, you know, when I seen it, I, you know, I kind of, I thought it was going to be a full season. Yeah, I think everybody did. Everybody I, expected. I, I thought the full they were season. just going to make him. When they up. appealed it, when the NFL appealed the original four game suspension, which is a joke. You, everybody thought it would be a full, a full year. I thought that that's what it was going to be. And like you said, the way they spin the PR thing, oh, it was 11 games, 11 which right. means he comes back and everybody's going to be wanting to watch that game yep. just because. And he plays his former team. He plays his former team. I mean, and that, you know, it wasn't 12 games, it wasn't 16. It was like yep. Tommy said, it wasn't four, it wasn't eight. It was 11. So, uh, yeah, it's a complete joke what they're doing. And like I said, I'm not condoning guys smoking pot. If it's illegal, listen, if I was in the NFL, I love to drink iced tea. If they say iced tea is illegal, I'm not drinking it. Right. I, I don't have any. If you want to smoke pot, I don't care. After you're done playing, you can grow right. as much pot as you want. But if they say it's illegal, it's but illegal. this the, the 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 disparity between a guy yeah. like Josh Gordon, who just you know, yeah, well, Calvin Ridley, who, Calvin yeah. Ridley, Come and on. then and then you got this situation. They're just so all over the place, and I it just it, it that part of it is a complete joke. But again, they just kind of you know you know Whatever. the yeah. thing. Well, yeah, we're the, the NFL. Same. We're it the NFL. Matter. We don't care what you think. You're still yeah. going to watch, and we're going right. to make billions of dollars. Right, and the ratings when for that game are going to be through the roof. We're going to make a shit ton of money. I mean, that's what's going to happen. All three of us know that's exactly yep. what's going to happen. Anything else from the NFL you guys are hearing you want to discuss? Any other news or notes, anything like that? Where's Tom Brady? Yeah, what, personal reasons. I was going to ask you about that. That's yeah. your team, your well, squad. I don't know him personally, so I don't know what his personal reasons are. Right. But, I mean, he's never Kind of weird. Did he come see you? No. no it's nothing to do with you? No, so, no. no, it's definitely not your personal yeah. business. No, so. I, I just was curious. <laughs> yeah. I, Todd Bowles kind of uh, yeah. uh, talked about it today. Do you think it could have been just like he negotiated that, like I'll come to camp, get no, it going a little bit? Nah, he's no, he's too lunatic to do that. No, there's something going on, whatever it is. I'm not he and Giselle sure. maybe having some issues? That sucks. Um but uh, no, because he gets support. He would she makes the money. <laughs> His true. money is what they use to go to Costco yeah, to get that you know, juice. That's the ashtray change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just Todd Bowles. I, I seen his interview today with the media, and now he's not sure he's coming back right after the the, the game on Saturday against Tennessee. So I, I you know, that was the first time right. I kind of just kind of like you hmm. know, turned my head, like, wow, this is not right. Something's not right. Yeah. So. You know, stay tuned. Maybe next week we'll have some more news. You know, he's not sure now. He said right after the, he right. said this last week, right after the Tennessee game, Tom right. will be back. And he said, well, well, we'll reassess it early next week. And you know, mm. we're staying in close contact with him. So it's curious. Maybe he's just a forty-five. Is what is that what he is? Forty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's just realizing, man. You know, maybe my body just doesn't want to do this. My body just right. can't do this anymore. You know, it's I don't. I know we all joke about him playing forever and stuff like that, but I mean, he's 45 years old. I get it. He eats avocado milkshakes and I eat Reese's, <laughs> but I sneezed yesterday and I was out for 44 minutes. Like I, I didn't <laughs> feel right. Like everything in my world shook for 44 mm-hmm. minutes. 
and I just sneeze. You have a back spasm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Side yeah. Bumps, yeah. yeah. I mean, at forty-five years old, the guy's been doing this for twenty-two years. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of pounding, and it sounds great that you know, hey, I'll do this in January mm-hmm. and February, and I can't give it up. And then you get punched a few times, and you're like, oh, oh, maybe this isn't so bad to give this up. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what else it's it perplexing. could be. Yeah, I think I think one of these crony national guys that already come on and said it's not a. A health issue with himself or anybody in his immediate family. So thank God, right? You know, his wife or kids or somebody's like not having some right. kind of illness. But I mean, we I can speculate from it, now until uh, I don't know what else time. It knows, yeah. Hopefully, we'll find out more more next soon. Week, but yeah. I just find it curious today when I seen the interview with Todd Bowles and the way he addressed yeah. the media was really evasive. So, and you know, Brady's only thirty five hundred yards away from a hundred thousand yards passing in his career. Hundred thousand. I like that record. I don't think that record. Yeah, I don't think anyone's ever going to break that record. Yards. Can you that's crazy. That? I don't even know what that's equivalent to. Like, and and any, I think that's just something that's on its own level. Period. The end. I mean, hundred thousand. That's insane. Yeah, I, I, that's I, like nine hundred home runs in baseball. Yeah, he has ninety-seven thousand. Right. I mean, that would be like nine hundred home just runs. Just to show you how dumb I am, I don't think in any of those hundred thousand yards I've ever had him in fantasy football. No, I haven't either. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, we have our draft next Thursday. Yes. So we'll, we'll have Maybe to talk we'll do a little, a little bit. Of, uh, yeah. You know, fantasy uh, preview next yeah, week. Yeah, we can do a little segment yeah. on fantasy preview. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. First thing Michael's going to say: Don't ever trade with me because you'll lose the trade. Yeah. That's I've true. learned that lesson the hard way. Whoever if, you trade, if Tommy pings you, you just ignore it. Yeah. And if he says, "Why did you?" I, oh, I never got it. He's like the Tampa Bay Rays when they call. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah, you don't answer. You just don't answer because he knows something you don't, so you just forget it. Anyway, so yeah, well, obviously, you know, we're, we're getting into the heat of it now. Yeah. Thankfully, football season's right around the corner. And uh, the podcast, it'll be more and more football as we move forward. I guess we have to talk Pirates this week, so we will. The story there this week Dennis Eckersley, <clears throat> the Hall of Fame pitcher, um, who's now the color commentator for the Boston Red Sox, said in the broadcast Tuesday night that this team is a. I got to make sure I get this right because it's priceless. A hodgepodge of nothingness. A hodgepodge of nothingness, and went on to say that they're pathetic. Well, and the best part about that is, is I was in Boston at a Boston bar watching this game when he said this, and you know, you know, you hear the background noise, and I thought as we were sitting there, you know, having a few cocktails at the bar, I thought I heard something to that effect, and I thought. No, no, he couldn't. Not, no, not, nobody. Yeah, that's not what I heard. And uh, and you know, and you know, I was talking to some people up there about you know the, how they're losing their minds that the Red Sox are five hundred and battling. You know, they're in fourth place for the division and stuff like that. And you know, they're only four games out of the wild. Yeah, card. we were in a we were in a crowded bar. They're they're not a very good team this year. They're battling for their lives. And I was in a bar uh, Sunday night against the Yankees uh, and I mean it was like the Steelers mm-hmm. won the Super Bowl in that bar and it just it, you just miss it you just realize I mean if you go to a bar now at best it's a 50% chance that the Pirate game's even on <laughs> you got to ask the bar right. yeah, turn it on right. can you please turn and the, the bartender's like off? really yeah, yeah you yeah. really want to watch really yeah. Yeah, can you turn off? You the, have a, you have a bet on it, or yeah, what's can going on? You turn yeah. off the Little League World Series yeah. to watch the Pirate. Game. You really want me to turn the equestrian off? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, it just made me. It just made me. You know, it just makes you miss that. You know, wow, it used to be a used to be a thing, and it is just 
And it's it just, was a thing for three just, years, 13, 14, dead. and 15. Yeah. It was here. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are baseball fans Listen, in the city. My greatest sports memory of all time, and you guys know I love Pitt first and foremost, my greatest sports memory of all time was the blackout game and the, the wild card game. No, no question. That was insane. That was chill-inducing for three hours. The Quato game, for those of you out there that may not be unsure, where the, where the fans were chanting, Quato, Quato, and he dropped the ball on them. I mean, that game was amazing. And that's what baseball can be. So, Tom, you're, you're absolutely right. And we missed that. And and that was a blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then moment. Th- those years, they you know, they, they let's face I mean, McCutcheon and Walker and they, the A.J. Burnett signing, A.J. Burnett put him over the top in my in my mind. He, he was the leadership they needed to get him there. Um that was luck, and we're, we're seeing that. I think it was luck. Well, um, the reality of it is, is, is that you know, I, I honestly think, you know, you own your own business. Mm-hmm. I own my own business. You know, Michael, you've worked for companies. It's about it's about management. It's about ownership. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a company, and you know, you you can feel what's going on. You know. Mm-hmm. I know that when I go into my store and I have a ba- I'm having a bad day and I project mm-hmm. it that it trickles down right. to my employees. Absolutely. And the same and then to their customers. And, right. Yeah. And then, you know, Michael, you've worked at companies where if you've had an you know an asshole owner or you've had that stuff where it trickles Boss. down yeah. to you've talked about that like, when you have idiots in the corner field. office. Yeah. And I think that that Bob Nutting has become so overshadowing of this organization that I think that good people come into this organization or mm-hmm. part of this organization and it's just literally spoiled from the top down mm-hmm. and it is so hard to fight that battle and you know and I don't think you know because it ended poorly Huntington and Hurl aren't going to get enough credit over time mm-hmm. because of what Nutting yeah. did but the fact that Hurdle came in and he said that well, I want to yeah. I want to rebond this team with this city and he did that and Huntington did that, and they 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 battled through that. You know, I feel like the the, the Shawshank Redemption scene where Andy goes through, swims through five miles of what I can only imagine. You know, to come out the other side a free man. That's what Hurdle and Huntington, Huntington did to get where they were to success. And Nutting was there at the end to just. Stomp and on put him right back in jail. An end to yeah, it. Right. And I, you know, you have guys like Charrington and well, Steve Sanders, his right hand yeah. man. They're not dumb people. They've had success in baseball, and what they're doing now. My dad and I were driving home yesterday, and think about this. I mean, seriously, just think about this. When in baseball have you had your twenty-two-year-old best pitching prospect start the year with the you know mm-hmm. in the year with the with the majors? Have success, then literally shut down, stopped, not because of injury, not because he sucked, not because of anything else other than this quote unquote, we want him to pitch in September for a team that will have lost 100 games by the time it gets to September. Stop for three weeks, restart back up again. Like there was, like, you know, like if the season was over. Right. Progress all the way back through so that on August 8th, 17th, randomly, he's pitching in a game that means absolutely nothing to finish out the year so he can, quote, unquote, experience September baseball. You, yeah, what are no, we doing ask, here? I know. Let me ask you. So you brought up a good point. You're a business owner. I'm a business owner. You've worked for large companies. 
There's ways you can go around and save some money and put more money in your pocket. But ultimately that impacts the final product, right? There's, I could buy cheaper bisque. I could buy cheaper product. I don't have to buy from La Prima, the best in the city. I could buy cheaper beans. But at the end of the day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a worse product. That's exactly what he does. Mm-hmm. We see that, right? There's things at Del Monte like that you could you know, cut corners, but you're not going to be as good at the end of the day. If you want to be and you want to win ultimately in, in whatever you're doing, you, you want to be the best beer distributor around. I want to be the best at what we do around. There's things you have to sacrifice, and that takes money out of your pocket at the end of the day. And that's what Bob Nutting does. There's no way around it. I did a study today. I looked at the percentage of revenues being spent on payroll. And that's okay? just the reported revenues that Correct. you know. Exactly. That's not all the revenues. Exactly. That's reported revenues. Everybody says, small market team, the economics of baseball. Horse shit. Because if you look at what that guy is spending, percentage-wise, on, on his payroll, it's negligible. The Steelers and the Penguins, oh, they're in a cap league. They're in a cap league. Everybody says it. DK said They all say it. It's apples and oranges. You can't compare it. Bullshit. They have to spend 49% of their revenue on payroll. Bob Nutting is spending about 18%, thereabouts, what I know. So throw that all away. This comes down to one guy and one guy only. And what he's doing to this once proud franchise that all three of us love. And we still do, right? I mean, we still do. But it's a total embarrassment when you have Eckersley going on air and saying this. And saying, look, they just came from Kansas City. Kansas City knows what they're doing. The Pirates don't. What do they have? Well, I'll flip the conversation away from the money part because when I thought while you were talking, I'm thinking, well, okay, the Baltimore Orioles don't have a payroll. They have all young guys. But what are their young guys doing? Mm-hmm. They're playing well. What are our young guys doing? Not playing well. Everybody, Pay attention to what Michael's about okay, to say. He so said this before we went on air. He's spot on. Listen. The Orioles can do it. The Tampa Bay Rays, I think they pay their players in food stamps. I don't even right. think they give them cash. They're in the race every year with the lowest payroll in baseball. I don't even know if their payroll is even $35 million. I, I, I would I would venture to say it's right around $35 million. And I think Kevin Kiermaier makes like mm-hmm. 25% of that. So it can be done without the money. That's the most concerning part for me is that we have young guys that look like they're starting to develop and then they get here and then they turn into a pile of dog crap. And that's the part that's most We've seen concerning. it many times this so, year. So, to me, I think the entire coaching staff has got to go. Nobody's getting better. Cruz has not made one mm-hmm. adjustment at the plate, not one. No, Sawinski went the opposite way, and couldn't. they couldn't fix him. They couldn't fix him. Now, he came up and was crushing the ball, slowly went downhill. They, they well, couldn't. because he couldn't adjust to what the right. pitchers were doing to him, and you got right. a hitting coach standing there, looks like, you know, um, like he's autistic. Well, and Shelton I mean, was a former hitting coach. I mean, he, he's yeah, another so, one that has culpability here. I mean, what is he doing? This lineup. And, and his I, lineups. Jesus Christ, yeah, the lineups so, every night. And then the other problem is is that you've got guys, we've talked about it, the Josh Van Meters, mm-hmm. the Greg Allens. Now we got – Don't look at me. I have no idea John who he is. Paldo? Padlo. Padlo. Hey. Jack Padlo. I don't even know his From name. From Seattle. Yeah. He was in the lineup the other day. Hey, I thought – well, I was trying to get the game from Boston, and I thought I landed on the wrong channel. I like, who? I heard a guy. I was like, well, this can't be I was driving, I heard this guy. I was driving home from work, and I was talking to Mark, and we actually yeah. had to look this guy up. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. So he had seven at-bats in Seattle. Yeah. He shows up to the Pirates locker room the other day with Seattle bags because the Pirates are too cheap <laughs> to give him actual Pirate bags. But my point being is what 
what direction are we going here? Are you, 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 tonight, and like we, Tommy and I both, I like Ben Gamble. But again, I've soured what's on him, the but point? Anyway, yeah, I mean, well, I didn't sour on him. It's not his fault. He's a good fourth outfielder. But for us, don't make any sense. Right. Right. So what are you doing with the Paldos and the Greg Allens, <laughs> Padlo, Padloff? I don't know what the hell his name is. It, my point is, the young guys got to play, but the problem that's scaring me the most is they're not developing like other right. organizations that don't. Listen, the Orioles don't want to spend money. The Rays don't want right. to spend money. But they're developing their players. You know, Adley Rushman's up. I mean, they, the kid's they, legit. they've had Ryan uh, Mountcastle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had a bunch of young guys come up and get better. Our guys Well, look at last – the Mets bring up Beatty, who was one of the top – well, this that kid. was his first at bat. Right, yeah, I get it. Know. He hit a home run. But the point is, we're not developing our right. young guys at the major league level. Here's how insane I've taken this to. Because, again, I understand, and I think you threw out a stat at us, that Charrington's had X amount of years as a, as a, as a GM. Eight years in a row he's had a losing season so as GM. that part of it, uh, you know, questions a little bit on Charrington. But there's nobody. There's nobody. I'm convinced. That can look at Josh Van Meter and Freddie Pablo, whatever the hell his name is, that's playing here now, and the Greg. Think Allen. about some of the guys. That there been. are nobody that can look at those guys and say that that's major league talent. So I've gone now. I've gone full circle to the <laughs> fact that Charrington is now smarter than all of us, and that he understands <laughs> that his major league coaches are so bad that he doesn't want to expose his young players. <laughs> hey, I like that theory. That's one I like that theory. I that. So I like that. I'm going to leave them down in minors where they like might that. get decent coaching right. instead of bringing them up here where I know because I can't fathom any other solution to the fact that why Greg Allen and, again, Ben Gamble, this is not a shot of Ben Gamble, but they have so many outfielders. They have so many guys down there that you need to make an, eva- an, eva- an evaluation with. You have Mitchell. You have – Swaggerty, you have Swinsky, yep. um, you have guys down there that you need. We, we've talked about this. The, the 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 important part for the second half of the season was who can we write in pen for the 2023 team that we have an answer for. And every day that these jabrones up here are up here playing, and those ones aren't, you're losing that. So the only thing I can come yep. to is that we suck so bad up here. Please, I don't want to taint you. Stay down there and get we get truth to that. Figure it out. Because that may be just crazy enough to be true. Because when you watch everybody on this team, every player that is a major league player on this team swing out of their shoes. And, and close your eyes and swing as hard as you Did can. Did you hear Shelton's they're, response to that question the other day? They're all doing it. It's impossible to believe that's yeah. not the strategy. A question was asked to him about the approach, the two-strike approach. When, they always have two strikes. Yeah, right. Well, first, they, true, they always have that. His, his answer was ridiculous. Well, that takes time to adjust. They can't just, what? They've been learning how to do that since they, since we, we learned that in high school. Yeah. Shelton, I mean, come on. I, I've gotten to the point with Shelton, right? I've so soured on him. Yeah. And not just for, not just for that he's got a terrible team and what his win loss record is, but the little shit. The fact that Reynolds got run the other night and he didn't come on. And, and say everything right. you can possibly so, say, including I'm going to bang your wife tonight, <laughs> to not get thrown out. It's not about it's not about that moment. It's about showing the 25 guys in the dugout and the 150 guys in the right. organization 
that I got, I got you, you back. back. Yeah. And 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 I heard I, I think it was I don't know if it was if it was DK or somebody say that you know Clint Hartle would have got thrown out mm-hmm. and Jim Leland would have got yeah. thrown out and then went into <laughs> the press conference and ran the umpire into thing and flipped all that stuff to show hey you might not be right, but I got your back. Yeah. Even and John Russell, who slept every game, probably would have gotten <laughs> and, and it's been too many times where you can see that Shelton doesn't get it. Yeah. Doesn't get what it takes to be a leader of a major league franchise. And he just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that this Freddie, whatever this jack offense is in here now, um, I, I think it's Van Meter in a different uniform. Because Van mm-hmm. Meter hasn't been seen right. for a week, so I think they got it's tired of us, of us attacking Van Meter. So they say, hey, put this jersey. Right. But we'll wear this guy and bat from the other. Because he could hit 140 from either side of the plate. He might not be right-handed, but who, who could tell the difference? But this jack-off is playing Tuesday night at first base, and he's yep. right-handed. I thought this jabron, if he was playing, all right, at least he's left-handed. Right. We're so desperate for a left-handed. Now this this guy's taking away a bat from Chavis? Get the hell out of here. Yeah. So uh, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I did want to read one thing to you guys. Now, I know this lineup this year has been hodgepodge of nothingness. <laughs> but the, the Pirates used this particular lineup three times last year. I'm going to read it off to you. Leading off, Adam Frazier. Batting second, Kevin Newman. Batting third, I can't even say it without laughing, Kai Tong. Hitting cleanup, Jacob Stallings. Batting fifth, Eric Gonzalez. Batting sixth, <laughs> Wilmer Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they used this lineup three Josh, times last year. Wait, batting eight, Todd Frazier, who retired, I think, after this particular <laughs> game. And then batting eight, Troy Stokes Jr. That lineup they used three times last year. So we are starting to see the young guys, and that's what we want to see. Like I keep saying, the most concerning thing is that we're not seeing improvement. And that's that's the most alarming Coaching thing. Coaching staff. You, you and that's why that. I think Kieran Madison, who, who coaches in Altoona and has, has played a huge role in developing all these guys coming up. Uh, you know, All the players we've talked about have played for him. And the guys that are there now are going to be he, here real soon. He should be the manager. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they should Tyler follow King. Shelton right now, bring this kid up, because he's a, I think he, he's really young. I think yeah, he's he in his 30s. Um, and let him manage the team, because obviously he's doing something right. He's developing these guys at the lower levels of the minor leagues, and they get up here, and it's like, what? Yeah, we've I, been waiting for this guy. Yeah, Sheldon's like Tom said, he he's sour. I he I watched the game Tuesday night, and Keller was pitching. I'm not a pitching coach. I've never even coached pitching. I never pitched. I was an outfielder. And I'm watching, and I'm like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. After maybe ten pitches, no, not them. They left him out there for two whole innings to get shelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't throw one ball over 93 miles an hour. He was flipping curveballs up there like 72 miles an hour. I don't – and he had a tired arm. Right. You know, and Sheldon said, well, uh, he said he was okay. Really? Yeah. Is that – well, right. you weren't watching the same thing everybody else was watching or all five of us were right. watching? Right. I mean, I, I just – there's no there's no leadership with this organization. I mean, if he would have left them out there, so, he could have blown out his arm. Let me ask you, is this the worst we've seen it? And it's been bad. I mean, we had 20 consecutive years of losing. Well, it's been bad. But is this the worst we've seen this franchise? 94 was really bad. Really bad. I'll say this. It's it's not the worst team talent-wise. Talent-wise. Talent right, right. But it's the I'm, lowest I've been on the Pirates for a long time. Because I'm okay. I understand who they are. And I'm fine with them sucking. But 
Charrington, when he came in, gave me some hope. Travis mm-hmm. Williams was a legitimate, uh, to me, was a legitimate presence in the front office. That gave me hope. We're in year three of this. Um, and to me, there are maybe five legitimate Major League Baseball players on the healthy 25-man roster on this team right now that I'm convinced should be in the Major Leagues. There is not a whole lot of AAA, and this is year three. I mean, I thought that this year I was not expecting yeah, playoffs. They say year four. In a rebuild, year ex- four is when you start to ex- see. And I, I, was ex- I don't see it. I was expecting – honestly, I was expecting – what the Orioles are doing now, mm-hmm. where that the young guys are here, they're showing promise, and then yeah. their owner comes out and says, hey, we are going to significantly increase payroll to support these young players next year. And God, I know those words aren't even in Nutting's vocabulary, but that's where I thought we would be. And I, I to me, we're f- as far away from now as being a, legitimate, a, play, a legitimately good playoff baseball team in the near future as they have been in a long time, in my opinion. All right. So as I said, leading into it, we're probably going to be talking less and less about the Pirates. So it's good that we spent a lot of time on them tonight because I don't think they'll become like Pittman's basketball last year where we they became the the team that should not be named. But um, but they're yeah, they're getting there, unfortunately. Um, Before we move on to what we love, fact or fiction, let's spend a minute or so on on, on Pitt. Um, They're in week three of camp. We're two weeks out exactly from the brawl. Uh, we've been waiting for this. Um, we're actually going to break some news on the podcast. Uh, we do have a starter now at quarterback. It's Keaton Slovis. Uh, as we've talked about in, in previous episodes, this one hits a little close to home, and I am admittedly biased, as is Michael. Um, we both know Nick very well. We know what you know. he's a quality human being. He's a great young kid. Um, he's worked his ass off to earn the job. He's a pit guy. And I think this is where I'm going to be guilty and where my opinion may not really matter much here because I'm a little too close to it. And I think I romanticize college football a little too much. Um, Pitt is my school. Uh, and I have a hard time when you have a hired gun. Um, excuse the pun there, but, uh, you know, that's what Keaton Slovis was uh, coming in. He's not a Pitt guy. This is a guy who spent three years at USC. He's a Trojan. Um, and, you know, you give the nod to Slovis over Nick. I have a huge problem with that, a huge problem. And maybe Slovis gives you the best chance. I, I question that. Uh, this is a guy who's had, you know, a track record of injuries, uh, who was beat out by a freshman last year at USC. I think he's got a ton of hype to him. Um, what do they say? No all hat or no no cat all hat no cattle, whatever the hell that saying is. Um, and I don't wish you will on this kid. I don't know him from the from the the, the next guy on the street, but. Um, I do know that Nick is a pit guy. He waited his turn. He learned from Kenny. He sat behind Kenny for four years. Um, unfortunately, he got hurt in the bowl game. Um, but from all accounts that I heard, and not just from Nick, from other players within the program, um, Nick outplayed Keaton. Uh, I think Narduzzi's making this decision based upon other things rather than performance, which I take huge issue with. Uh, and Tom, in your rant two weeks ago, I'm really sour on Narduzzi right now. Um, I think he did this program a huge disservice by making this decision. Well, I'll say this about Keaton Slovis. Um, you know, he came out of high school very highly touted. I, you know, we're East Coast guys, so we mm-hmm. have a little bit of bias towards 
you know, the Big Ten, the ACC, you know, the Pac-12 to me is soft. Mm -hmm. He had a good freshman year, but you got to remember, he had Armand Ross St. Brown, he mm -hmm. had Michael Pittman Jr., yep. and he had Drake London as his wide receivers. I mean, I could probably complete a couple <laughs> passes to those cats. I mean, so, and that team only went eight and five, mm -hmm. you know, and then obviously we had the COVID year where the Pac-12 right. played like two games or something. Right. Yeah, like they played seven, eight, seven or eight games. Six, I yeah, think it was six. six. Uh, so that wasn't a full season. And last year, he didn't really play well. He had 11 touchdowns, I think eight interceptions. He got hurt and then he lost got the hurt job. And he only completed 60% of his passes. And in today's football, 60% is not very good. Right. So he got beat out by the freshman. So it's, you know, he doesn't have a track record of like winning. Right. In, in, in a conference that's not really strong other than usually Oregon. Mm -hmm. But I mean, most of the teams in that conference are just ho-hum. So, you know, listen, Narduzzi made his choice. You know, you make your bed, you got to lie in it. And Tommy made, in his rant, you know, Narduzzi mm -hmm. likes to talk. He better start walking the walk now because he, they're no longer the hunter. They're the hunted. Yeah. And when teams come to play them, they're all going to be up for pit now. So they're, they're in a different mental state than they were trying to get to this point. So this could go sideways real quick. Yeah, I don't have any dog in this fight because I don't know Nick like you guys do. I've heard you say great things about him. I think he's a good kid. Um, Slovis has a track record as far as scouts liking him, but he doesn't have a track record as far as doing it on the field. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> we're cats. Unfortunately, neither does Nick because sure, Kenny right. was he here for so long. That's true. Right. Um, I thought that this was always going to be Slovis, and I, and I think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be Slovis for one particular reason. He's from USC. I think if he transferred from Western Michigan, I think if he transferred from Arizona, which they got somebody from Arizona State before, I don't know if this kid would be the starter. I think Narduzzi's in his head about USC. He wants to stick it to them about Addison. And, and you know, you can tell the way he keeps talking about mm -hmm. the NIL and he hasn't let the Jordan Addison thing go. Um, He's a, he's a guy that I told you, I, mm -hmm. I just am not a fan of what he does and the way he bangs his chest for a guy that's done very little uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, I, and I think this could come back and bite him in a big way. I think that he has got a team that is uh, ready to compete. Mm -hmm. I think he has got uh, a lot of good pieces, but in college football, it's about the quarterback. Pitt has not been a good team over the last 40 years because they had not had a good quarterback. Mm -hmm. They got one in Kenny. They had a great year. This is the chance to build off of that, and the wrong choice could sink them. And uh, and he, all I can say about this is he better be right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and I don't. I mean, I, I as I said, I'm, I'm probably the wrong person to talk about this because of my feelings for Nick and, and his parents. I've met, but I mean, his parents are great. This is a guy who's put in his time with the program, and I just think. His teammates love him. He has the locker room. I think this could backfire in a really big way. Uh, I've heard that's not the case with Keaton. Once again, not from Nick, um, from other players within the program. Um, I've heard other things. I'll keep to myself. I don't want to you know, slander anybody here. But um, this could be a horrible, horrible decision by Narduzzi. Um, and, Slavis, and Slovis is coming here for one year. And how do I know? Because they have dinners, right? Middle of training, middle of training camp, position groups all go off for dinner. It's a nice little tradition that they started. Um, and Slovis went with Narduzzi with the seniors. He didn't go with the quarterbacks, with Signetti. Um, Nick went there. So Nick obviously is going to come back next year. He wants to get his degree from Pitt. He loves Pitt. I said he's a Pitt guy. How many years did he get? Um, I thought he was already there he before. Has a, he has a super COVID year. 
So Nick could play next year. Now, if he does, I don't know. Um, But if I'm sitting there as the head coach and I'm splitting hairs between these two guys and I'm looking to continue to build a program, I'm going to go with the guy who I think is going to be back next year and build and grow. And this is a guy I know I'm going to have again next year where Slovis is declared, hey, listen, I'm going with the seniors. I'm out. I'm one and done. Hired gun. I say it again. He's looking at it like, I'm going to come here for one year. I'm out. He's not a pick guy. I keep going back. To, and, and you guys, please, I know <laughs> that's my school. I want a pit guy playing. Other trans, well, in, in, somebody could say to me, well, you love Mumfield. Mumfield's a transfer. Mumfield transferred for a better opportunity. He transferred out. He was playing at Akron, performed well. This is an opportunity for him to play at a higher level. I understand that. Shane Simon, Notre Dame, wasn't playing at Notre Dame. Um, and he transferred here. That I'm, I'm still a little eh about, to be quite honest. Um, because Pitt has other linebackers, Solomon DeShields, Bengali Kamara, who Shane Simon comes in, he takes playing time away from them. I, and I know this is where the game is going. I don't have to agree with it, though. And we know that college football is becoming huge money. We tell me before we went on air, the Big Ten deal, the, the television deal, a billion dollars a year for seven years. We know this is what college football is becoming. And I was in a funk last week. I had some conversations with some people last week that are in the know. If free agency's right around the corner, the transfer portal is going to go away. They're not even going to need to put their name in a portal. They can just basically what Addison did, let's call it what it was, to say, I'm leaving Pitt, I'm going to USC. And that's where we're going. That's a sad day for me. Um, and I get it. I mean, players should be paid. The schools are making all this money. Um, but the reason why many of us love college football is going away. And that, that that makes me sad. And that makes me angry. Well, I was one of the first guys years ago to advocate for the players making yeah, money. Yeah, I, I had no problem with but that. But not this way. Yeah. This has turned into something. It's more right. into something that it shouldn't be. There's a hierarchy to every spot in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to earn the right to make that kind of money. You right. know, you got a wide receiver playing at USC making more money than guys in the NFL. NFL. That's right. not the way it's supposed to work. I didn't want these guys, you know, like they can't come in here and get a cup of coffee without getting in trouble. That stuff I thought was ludicrous, you know, or taking an extra meal at school. I, I thought they should put some money in their pocket. I wasn't expecting them to get rich off of it. Right. You know, so this wasn't wasn't what I had in mind. I will say one more thing on the quarterback thing before we move on to fact or fiction. Um, the thing that scares me the most about Narduzzi, he made this decision, right? Even if it's the wrong decision, I think he's going to stick with it because he's such a narcissist. And he's so stubborn. We and, know that Well, about because he, yeah. he will never admit he's right. wrong. Yeah. So he won't go back on it. And like Tommy said, he better made the right decision because if this they start one and two or two and two, the season's over. I yeah. mean, as far as right. all the expectations, anything, or, yeah, or going to a BCS game, right? So, and then you're right back with the same pit team, the eight and fives. Right. That you know, I mean, that, that's you know, they're just they're average. He's been average or below average since he's been here. He's had one good year, like Tom said, he likes to beat his chest and off of one year, right? I mean, what other school would have in their right minds would have let him coach this long here? He would have never had a chance to win an ACC right. championship last year. He'd have been gone three years before mm-hmm. that. And one other thing I'll say is, you know, when I lost my mind a couple weeks ago about Narduzzi, one thing that you guys fired back at me was the players love him. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the kind of decision that will turn that will turn them on you because if they got a guy in Nick, and I don't know this, I'm just saying, if if they can look at this and see that Nick is clearly the guy or should be the guy, and this guy starts, okay, coach, 
you're saying this guy's going to start. We'll go to battle for him, but he better do his job. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't, and to Michael's point, sticks with him because he's a narcissistic idiot um, to prove a point, and this goes south, well, all that goodwill that was built up with the players last year and believing in his message, right out the window. Mm-hmm. So, again, he's there. They watch the practices. He's If his, this is what he says, great. He just better be right because this is, could be a big, big moment for pit football. Yeah, huge. Time will tell. And as I said, I'm going to try to separate myself as much as I can. Nick handled the news better than I did, so um, we'll see. Uh, we'll have much more pit talk next week leading into the backyard brawl. Uh, we'll do a, more of a breakdown and what we expect and um, you know what we hear, what the, you know, what the player reaction is. Uh, of naming the starting quarterback for the 2022 season. So stand by for that. But now it's time for Fact or Fiction. Sticking with football, we talked a little bit about this with the Steelers. And this doesn't necessarily have to be Roquan, but the Steelers will make a move to address their weakness at middle linebacker. Fact or Fiction? After watching what I've seen so far from the inside linebacker position, mine, obviously Miles Jack is like we said, he's a solid linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, you know, he's not a Pro Bowler, he's not a Hall of Famer, but you know, he's a solid, he's solid guy. He's yeah. a solid linebacker. Um, the other two, Splane and Bush, looks just completely lost, and I don't even think it's physical anymore. It's, it's, it's not. It's a mental I mean, look thing. at Pickens with his knee. He's a wide receiver, yeah. and he had the same surgery, and so we, we, we can't use the knee as an excuse. You know, we've talked about how important in this particular defense the linebackers are, and I think it's fact that they're going to make a move. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be Roquan Smith, but I, I don't think they can go into a season with these two guys at linebacker. I'll say fiction because I don't think there's a guy out there. Roquan Smith right. wants to be available. Chicago has said he's not available. So if you take Kim out of the equation, I don't I don't think there's a better option out there. I don't, you know, it's it's you know, unless somebody mysteriously or magically gets cut that is an upgrade, which I mean you would think there's a lot of those out there, but you know, who knows? Right. Um, no, I, I I don't think there's anybody out there to go get. So I'm gonna say fiction. To your point, Tommy, very valid point, but I'm gonna say fact. Um, I think somebody will become available outside of Roquan. I don't think it's going to be Roquan as much as we'd love to see that happen. Um, but I do think they're going to make a move. I, I think the one thing about Tomlin, nobody spins a phrase better than that guy. Um, he's been visibly upset, uh, you can tell, with the play of Devin Bush. Um, the Devin Bush or Robert Spillane as the, spart- as the starter, I think, sent a huge message I think it sent a mess in any number of fronts. Number one, you don't have the job. Number two, we're not happy with you. Um, and as we've learned and we talked about, this is a different Steeler franchise. They're going to do what they what they feel is best to win. And that's one of the things you got to love about the Steelers. They want to win every year. They want to be in the hunt for the ultimate prize. Whether they're going to be or not, that's a different story. But in their, they're going to do what it takes within you know their, the parameters they have to make it happen. And, and so I think they're going to look, and you're right, there may not be somebody out there that's better, but I think they're going to do whatever they have to do to address that position. Because I, I th- it is the weakest at this point, without a doubt. Uh, next, on to the Pirates. Pirates will lose 100 games this year. Fact or fiction? Uh, I'll say fact. Um, they're going to keep running these guys out there. I mean, it, it to me, they should they're, – they're, you know how they wear a sponsor? They should have like a Sherman tank. <laughs> as a sponsor on one of their sleeves because it's so obvious at this point that they're just, 
either my my wild theory is that the coaching staff so bad they don't <laughs> want to expose young players, or they was like, all right, one more. You know, it's like it's like me at night right before I go to bed. It's like. Well, I have one more Reese's. All right, I'll have one more Reese's before I go to bed. Then five minutes later, I'll be. Eh. I feel like you know, Nutting calls down and goes, "Hey, you know, you know, we got that catcher last year. I don't know his name because I don't pay attention to baseball. He was pretty good. Everybody seemed like that pick. Well, this year you guys got one. Everybody seems to like him. Maybe one more. I just have one more really bad year. We get one more guy that everybody likes. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's what I just feel like they're just not even trying to win. And when you have, uh, I can't even remember the Jabron's line. One was a lefty, Eric Stout, I think, last night. Yes. And then <clears throat> Johan Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a one or two run game, and you're running out deep. Wasn't Jabron's. that a movie? Don't mess with the. What Don't mess with him. Sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah I'm going to say fact. Yeah. If they, I would say they would lose 200 if there was enough games left. Uh, if, if this, if you would have asked me, fact or fiction, would the Pirates <clears> win another game? I'm like, I mean, that's where we're at at this point. I mean, before we were at least right. one. There was one. optimism. I mean, even we were one or two run hope. games. Listen, they still have played right. more one or two run games than any other team in the majors. But now they're starting to separate right. themselves from that now. It's starting to get right. – it, it's just getting muddled. And I think what's happening is the pitching staff is so frustrated with the freaking lineup that they feel like every pitch has to be right. a perfect pitch because as soon as they give up a run, the game's right. over. That's how bad the lineup has been. Um, I, I think it's fact. Damn, I, I didn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to. No, lose, it's fact. Uh, they're going to yeah. lose hundred. Yeah, without a doubt. They, well, they're, they're in a tailspin. It's fact. Yeah, Shelton's. Lo- you could say. I mean, they're not playing. Yeah. he's lost the team. It's evident. That's the scary part. And by the way, did you see that Jabron last night at third base? Almost. You got to be one? more specific. That no. <laughs> the, the, the Fredo Jabroni guy there, whatever is oh, Fredo Pablo. Pablo. Wait, whatever. Yeah. Pal- he literally Pal- looked like Pal- he won a contest and got a free shirt and was standing at third base. Did somebody hit a line drive right. last night that almost hit him right between the eyes? He was so shocked that it was yeah. how fast it was. Like, uh, it's just, uh, we're paying this guy. I don't, I don't get it. No, we picked him up uh-uh. from Seattle. Yeah, that, yeah, it, it, it's fact across the board. They're going to yeah. lose a hundred. Like I said, it might be fact that they might not even win another game. There's a, there's a <laughs> so as a result, fact or fiction, Pirates will fire the entire major league coaching staff. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, I say fact. I, I mean, I don't know how you come back from this. Where, where this is going? Right. I mean, it, it, the light. There's no light now at the end of the tunnel. It's gone backwards. Like it's just like it, there's. You can't justify. Well, to your point, they're not developing. No, and you can't justify bringing these <clears throat> these specific. You know what was funny before the season? I don't want to get off track, but I was really down on Oscar Marina as the pitching coach, yep. and he's actually the best coach of, of all. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 I, I hope that's it's fact that the, the, damning with fake praise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, oh, no, that's right. not that's not praise. That's saying you're the shiniest piece of right. shit in the pile. Right. Um, it, it, it's just a fact. He's the best coach of the three of them. I mean, Andy Haynes. You know, he looks like Robert De Niro from Awakenings. You know, you throw a tennis ball at him and his hand goes up. I mean, he he has no idea what's going on. I mean, nobody's adjusted to anything. So yeah, this 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 coaching staff got to go. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that yeah. analogy, but okay. Uh, We've been Shawshank. I will say Awakenings. Awakenings I will Zohan. Say, I will say their <clears throat> whether they come back or not will all depend on how long all of their contracts are. Because nothing ain't eating seven contracts. I can tell you that right now. I mean it's a good point. Yeah. How would he go out how would he afford another pair of tan khakis that the guy wears? Or, you know, yeah. I mean, the guy's a billionaire. 
And he literally looks like, if he was walking down the hallway, you might say, man, can I get a hot dog? <laughs> he looks like a vendor walking down. I mean, that guy's a billionaire. And you couldn't, I, I just, can I, get a hot dog? I, I just don't know what to say about that guy. So I, I, would, I don't, if their contracts are up this year, yeah, he could probably clean all house. If they're signed for another year, there's no way that guy's eating seven contracts. He just won't. He's too cheap. So I don't know what to say. I'll say fact. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, why, no, why not? There you go. What the hell? Say, I, I say, well, I, yeah, you whatever. go back. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. whatever. Uh, Pitt will win eleven games this year. Fact or fiction? Woo! How many are they playing? Twelve. Woo! That gives them one loss. Woo! Oh my! You go there. You could say, oh, I don't got to think about that for that, a minute. That's super fiction. Um, this team's this team. That's that's as fiction as they get. I mean, that that's like that that. That's like a but those are the expectations. Oh, I don't care what right? the expectations are. I can tell you exactly what's right. going to happen. They're going to go nine and three. Okay, um, that's exact. And then they're going to lose one of those games to one of those jackoff teams that they shouldn't lose to, like a Western Michigan. Um, yeah, this team's not winning eleven games with this guy as their their coach. It, it, he listen. He had a great year last year, and he he'll tell you about it. <laughs> um, he won't talk about the Western Michigan loss right. or the Miami loss, but he'll tell you he had a great year, and they did have a good year. But that, they're they're not going to repeat that this year. I, I think they're going to go nine and three, and they'll still be in the top twenty five, yeah. and they'll play in the Pinstripe Bowl in Yankee yeah, Stadium right. when it's twelve degrees on December twenty third. Is there any chance that Kenny Pickett could play Saturday for Pitt and Sunday yeah. for the Steelers? If that's not the case, then no. Because Narduzzi, first of all, Narduzzi will lose two winnable games every year. So that's two right there. So, and I agree with Michael, you know, there's probably going to be another one that they earn that they lose in there. So, yeah, I'd say nine and three is probably best case scenario. Yeah, I would have said fact with Nick because Nick is a leader. And, and people say, oh, you're crazy. You're t-. No, I saw what I needed to see against Michigan State. He was well prepared. He knew what he wanted to do. He did his homework. He knew what the weakness was in Michigan State's defense. You saw it in the drive that he was healthy. They exploited it. He's a great athlete. He would have led that team to to some great heights. But I don't think the same with Keaton. I think Keaton is, is a statue in the pocket. He's going to get killed. Uh, to your point, I think Narduzzi is going to stick with him. So, yeah, I think they go 9-3. and three, So, I'm going to say fiction. So, there you go. All right. I, we've already ranted throughout this podcast. I don't know if you guys have any other rants. That you want to end with? Well, I, I have one. I I was online today reading an article on CBSSports.com. Um, they interviewed Deion Sanders. I think Tom knows a little bit about Deion Sanders. Uh, hold on. Tommy just perked hold up on. here. Oh. And, and this is a. Uh, I've said this before, and I probably said it on a podcast that, that you know, um, sports for us is a microcosm of society, right? You know, you got he what Dion was complaining about is how easy it is to get into the Hall of Fame now, right? And he, you know, and, and to his credit, he's right. He goes, I got a gold jacket. Mm-hmm. He goes, listen, Ty Law was a great player. Mm-hmm. He got the same gold jacket I got. He ain't the player I was. So you you, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's now. Well, now you have Tony Baselli, well, who had listen, two good years. And listen, he's in the Hall, what is so it, the, they the Hall put, of Good. They, 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 exactly. So, you know, he said, separate the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. The greatest of the greats on one side. And he said, Keller coat the jackets. I, I agree with it. I loved it. He said, they, I get the gold jacket. Maybe the other Dion. guy gets a brown jacket or, or a blue jacket. You know, you're, you're, you're really I love it. I loved it. I love it. He goes, you're He's really, right. You're really good, but you weren't my good. Yeah. 
And that's what he was saying. And, and right. he's right. So you mean to tell me Ken Stabler was a good quarterback. Right. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's, he's not he's right. as good as Dan Marino or no, Joe Montana. Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. Come on. So there is, listen, I, I looked at the class this year. I had it Ugh. on. I turned it on that night. Listen, Cliff Branch was, I guess, a good I didn't ever seen him play. We were young. I know he ran deep. deep right. He retired in 1982. His stats haven't changed since 1982. Now all of a sudden, well, same with Leroy Butler. Last year. I mean, Leroy Butler was good. Leroy Butler. Listen, Donnie Shell was a good safety. Yeah. he wasn't a great safety. Right. Uh, they put in Harold Carmichael. You know, uh, Drew Pearson. I mean, these are good football players, and nobody loves the history of sports more than I do. And there's a place for these guys in the hall, just not with Dion. <laughs> That's how I feel. And to your point, Drew Pearson should give Pat Narduzzi a lot of hope. Drew Pearson for 40 years said how great he was, and nobody believed him. And then finally, finally something right. goes, all right, here. You can, so maybe if Narduzzi keeps screaming like a lunatic for 40 years, someone will believe him. Uh, is Dion great? I mean, uh, that, was, that was the best <laughs> idea I've ever had. He's just the color coat the jacket. I love that. That's the greatest. That's the best well, idea I've heard all week. Awesome. Anything, period. Idea. Yeah. I, I don't really have any, I, I don't have anything to rain on I, or rant on. Uh, you know, I just got back from Boston. I will say this, though. Uh, is an anti-rant. Boston, to me, has gotten a bad rap over the years about annoying Patriot fans and annoying Red Sox fans. The last three years, I've been in New York, Chicago, and Boston. And I'll tell you right now, the Boston people and the city by far is number one on top of Chicago and, and uh, New York. I, I had a great experience up there. It's, it's, a, great it's a great city. city. It is. To visit, even if you, I, mean, I went there because I like history. Um, well, it's got a great mix of everything. It, it really does. Though. I mean, I, mean, I love it. There. We were walking. My my my. We went there with my dad and my stepmom and my wife. And on a Tuesday night, we were walking down just this street. And I mean, there had to be at 40, 50 restaurants in a three block stretch, mm -hmm. and every one of them packed. People sitting outside yep. drinking. Little Italy they have down yeah, there, which yeah, I thought I, it yeah. only existed in New York and right. Venice. No. There's uh, Italians in Boston. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had there had to be 60 restaurants, every one of them packed mm -hmm. during the day, at night, and every one of them the best Italian meal you mm -hmm. ever have in your life. So, so Austin, if you're listening to this episode, Uncle Tommy loves Boston yeah. as much as you do. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it is a, it is a great town. It's it's pretty, it's clean, uh, it's got everything you want in a big city, but it, it just doesn't feel like you're around a right. bunch of jamokes. Yep. So. Boston fans, I apologize. Not Bruins fans; they're still assholes. But <laughs> the rest of the Boston people, Red Sox fans, stuff like that. It was good. It was a good time. Good time to go visit. So I can't. I can can't recommend it more enough than that. Awesome. Well, I, I've ran it a bunch during the show. Um, you actually calmed down. I did. I calmed down. You guys calmed me down, this, so I appreciate it. Like that. You did an eight ball well, you know, I mean, you, would you say last night? I've been depressed. I've had yeah. some conversation. College football. I, I've loved. It's, it's always been my my first love. Um, Pitt has been the school for me, and it, my you know, my falls have revolved around Pitt, um, and it's just it's very disconcerting and depressing to see what's happening to college football. It, it's it's right we, we're watching it with our own eyes. It's being destroyed, um, and why people loved it. I said it earlier. I'm gonna say it again. There's a reason why people love it's your school. There's there's a deeper tie. There's a deeper affiliation. It's part of who you are. Um, you know, my, as I said, my dad went to Pitt. I went to Pitt. My sister went to Pitt. My daughter went to Pitt. I mean, it's part of who the Clementis are. And you know, you have these kids coming in and out, and it's just, and it's only going to get worse. It's not getting any better. 
Um, and there's no end in sight. And you're going to have the two super conferences. That's evident by the huge TV deal today. Notre Dame's going to the Big Ten. It's just a matter of time. And then all the dominoes are going to fall. And you're going to have the have-nots. And it's going to be like Major League Baseball, where you're going to have the haves and the have-nots. Um, and there's no hope otherwise. None. And, and honestly, you know, the crazy part about this is, and, I, you know, I know there are Big Ten fans out there, so I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get on the wrong side of anybody. Right. But, I mean, arguably the fourth best program in that is Penn State mm-hmm. that has 104 lunatics every year. Yep. But I think all their fans go to the game. They don't actually <laughs> watch the game on television. And the fifth best program is Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And every time Wisconsin's on, every time their team's on, I look at that, I go, nope, not watching that. Turn that off. <laughs> I mean, and that's the fifth out of 16. Yeah. I mean, you know, UCLA stinks. Yep. Rutgers, for Christ's sake. I mean, I don't right. even know. Yep. Maryland, Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, Minnesota yeah. Northwestern. Yeah. They're all a bunch of who gives a shit. Right. And they're the ones that are set in the market. So if they're getting a billion dollars a year for, to me, you're, you bought Ohio State and Michigan. Mm-hmm. You bought that game. Yep. And you hope that USC – and maybe Notre Dame at some point will come along to, to draw in mm-hmm. that crowd. Well, you hit the nail on the head. And when you said NBC, since NBC is involved in this Big Ten deal, it's all oh, you. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's ball yeah. game. No, no, Notre NBC, Dame's going to the Big NBC's Ten. NBC's in this deal the yep. more Notre Dame. Yeah, but I mean they're getting a billion. So what if I'm the SEC and I'm sitting over here going, <laughs> uh, excuse me, folks. Uh, <laughs> that's cute that they got that up there. But I don't know if you see what we've been doing down here for the last few years. We want a trillion. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what are they going to get? Yeah. And then once they get that, that then it's ball. Then, yeah. Then, then it's what over. are we doing? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I agree. You know, the, the, the best part of the year every year for me for college football was that last week of the season. Oh, uh, rivalry. When all yeah. the rivals played. There are no rivals anymore. No. And now the rivals are not even in the same conference, most of them anymore. It's just a shame. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's why, you know, when it's such a huge part of who you are and it's such a huge outlet for you and you see it slipping away, it's hard. I mean, it's like, you know, another thing being ruined um, and, and there's nothing you can do about it and it's going to be what it is. And either you get on board or you say goodbye. And I got to be honest, if it, what happens, what I, what I think happens, happens, I'm out. I'm done. And that's that's sad. Yeah, so. it, that it officially becomes the minor leagues for the, yeah. of the NFL. That's Correct. It it's not yeah. college football right. anymore. Right. It's just with the, the hierarchy to the minor leagues. It's with with the, the with the hierarchy to it, which is different than the minor leagues in baseball. Whatever. There's going to be hierarchy where you're going to have your upper echelon minor league teams and your bottom feeders. And Pitt hates it, and we're going to be bottom feeders. So, and there's no way out, none, zero, because you're just not going to have the revenue. So, on that happy note. <laughs> Pull your shit together next week, by the way. I don't want to see you in this state yeah. anymore. No, I will. Um, but anyway, so uh, until next week, we're, we're going to be that one week closer to the start of football season. And the Steelers will have one more preseason game to talk about. Hopefully, you know, some interesting stuff to talk about um, and even less about the Pirates. But until then, have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. On behalf of Michael and Tommy, this is Mark. Talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>